Well, how many of you have watched some of the Olympics so far? Okay, three of you, that's good. <laughs> um, we got to see the, uh, you know, the parade, everyone coming in, that was pretty cool. Um, and last night I was watching some of the, uh, the guys on the Palma horse. That's scary. You know, and then they got the rings, that's... That's, those are probably like the two coolest things that I like watching because just the upper body strength that you got to have to be able to do that, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Anybody have a favorite Olympic uh, division that they like? Synchronized swimming? No? <laughs> Golf. Okay. How many of you think that they should make a certain, a new division of the Olympics? What would you like to see? <laughs> I know if, uh, if Tim were ever to compete in the Olympics, he would be croquet. If you, I mean, the guy is amazing. I mean, it's unbelievable. So if you ever win against him, that's a rare moment. So take it in while you can. It's uh, pretty neat. But you know, I was watching the Olympics there, and you have to think, um, these guys and these uh, girls, they, they train for years to be there. And you see them, and it, it's just in a matter of a few minutes, and things are over. And uh, some of them with great joy that they actually won, some of them with uh, great sorrow that they lost. Um, but it's, it's amazing to see what they are able to accomplish and what they were able to do um, through everything that uh, the time, the energy, the effort that they, that they put in. And uh, as I was uh, watching some of the Olympic Games, I was thinking, you know, Paul oftentimes gave illustrations about the Olympics, uh, about as an athlete competing, um, doing all those things throughout God's word. And uh, here for a few weeks, I would really like for us to, I guess, hone in on what our purpose is here at Pleasant Ridge. Um, what are we going to expect to accomplish? I mean, I'm sure that any athlete that goes to train for the Olympics, uh, his goal or her goal in mind is not to lose. Um, their goal in mind is to finish. Their goal in their mind is to know that they are going to strive, that they are going to move forward uh, in whatever aspect that uh, they are in. And here as a church, I think that we need to understand what we need to be doing as a church. Uh, I mean, what is the purpose of us coming together here? Um, is it to sit on nicely padded pews, sit in an air-conditioning building, um, listen to great music, um, have a challenging message? Uh, what is the purpose of us being here? And I really want to give us some things here that I would like for us to adopt as, I guess, kind of our philosophy of the ministry here that God has given us. Uh, what are we going to do here um, in Middlebury? What are we going to do in Goshen, Elkhart? What is God going to do through us? And, you know, you think back, I, I am so blessed to be a part of such an amazing history of this congregation, of this church. 
I mean, Pastor Craig labored, and he labored with love. He labored with faithfulness. He gave himself, and that needs to be honored. And we are so grateful for what he has done. But now here, it's time for us to continue to move forward in what the Lord has given us to do. And that's what I really want to challenge us over the next few weeks on moving forward. Now, last week, I asked some of you to... um, you know, read through the book of Philippians. How many of you read through the book of Philippians? Okay, very good. What are some things that you noticed about the book of Philippians? Anybody? God? <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> yeah, Sally. Okay, joy. Yeah, absolutely. The book of rejoicing, joy. What else? Anybody else? What is it? Humility, Humility, yes, when Jesus um, humbled himself, yeah. Jesse? Preach the gospel, gospel. yeah. Don? Conviction, okay. Jerry, did you have something? No, okay. Contentment. Contentment, okay, very good. I look at this church, the Philippian church, and I, I think so much about it that Here's Paul. I mean, remember when he was in, um, remember when he was in Asia and he had that vision, that Macedonian vision. The guy says, "Hey, come up in here and help us." This is where Paul went. This is like his first area that he goes and he preaches the gospel. He establishes a church there, and now he writes to them, and he's in prison. Why? <laughs> For preaching the gospel. And he's remembering everything that happened and the joy that he has for this church, the, the, just the overwhelming excitement that he has for them. He's remembering all this as he pens this letter. And as he goes through, I see some things in Scripture that I took some time and I wrote throughout the Scriptures here. And I wrote the word forward because I believe the gospel is always advancing And Paul was one to always be advancing the gospel wherever he was at. He didn't just sit down, be idle. He was there to advance things. And so here Paul, he makes some statements. And every time I see one of those, I wrote forward, 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 forward. And that's what I want us to focus in on, moving forward, moving forward for the gospel. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12. Look what the Bible says here. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel forward. What is our purpose here at Pleasant Ridge? To move forward. We are here to move forward. We have our uh, saying here, desiring his presence. How are we going to do that? How are we going to desire his presence? How are we going to make his presence known wherever we are at? Well, it's moving forward, advancing the gospel. You know, the world at that time, in Paul's time when he came there to preach the gospel, they had actually seen living out a life. They they saw a resurrected life of Jesus living in the life of Paul. They saw that. There were so much things going on in that, in that known world that probably the question of the time was, what is truth? 
And they saw truth in Paul. They saw reality in his life. And it's no wonder that when he goes to the uh, church of Philippi here, when he established that church, they saw truth. They saw reality in his life. And he established the, ch the, the church there. And it was for the advancement of the gospel. You know, this life was living in the church. The life of Christ lived in his saints. They felt it. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. So here's a Philippian church, Philippian city, that has been transformed by the power of the gospel. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that that is still a reality that that could happen to today? Can a, can a city be transformed by the power of the gospel? We believe that, don't we? We believe that that's a, that's a possibility that, that God is able to work in such a miraculous way that he could transform the hearts of people from darkness to light. We believe that. But we don't live that way. We know, we look in scripture, we say, wow, look what, look what God was doing in, in the early church and how he was just making mountains and, and he was moving and he was advancing. But today we look around and we say, wow, it just doesn't seem like God is at work today. What's the problem? The problem is not with God. The problem is with us. So the advancement of the gospel. We should never have an attitude that God is no longer working or that he is no longer moving in our lives in the church or the body of Christ. Wherever the gospel is preached, God is at work. I promise you that if we here at Pleasant Ridge lift and exalt the name of Jesus Christ, God will send people that are searching for truth. God will bring people into our pathway that we will have the opportunity to minister to and give them the gospel. But we have to be exalting Christ, advancing the gospel, moving forward in that aspect. So here Paul writes this letter from a prison cell for preaching the gospel, for being a slave for Christ. He makes mention of this. Look at verse number seven. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You know, you can just imagine his love to these brothers and sisters at the church of Philippi as Paul remembers their faith in Jesus and the partnership in the gospel. And that has not changed today. We are still partners with Christ in the gospel. We have that opportunity to do that. Look at verse number one. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and Deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he remembers them. He remembers them in his prayers in verse number three. He talks to him. He says, I remember you in my prayer. I, I thank God for you, for the advancement of the gospel in your life, Paul says. Paul rejoices to know that they are continuing and moving forward in the advancement of the gospel. They have not given up on living the Christ-filled life. And so here at Pleasant Ridge, I think it's important for us to know where we are going. 
what is our purpose here as a group of Christ followers? Is it to have more people join our fellowship? Is it to have the best programs, the best music, best fellowships? Is it to be clever, cool, and classy? No. We have a purpose, and that is to desire his presence. And as a church, we live out that purpose by sharing the gospel. So I want to just give you a few things here about that here this morning. How do we desire his presence? By sharing the gospel. Here's just a few things about that that I found here in the book of Philippians. Number one, we proclaim the supremacy of Jesus over all areas of life and culture. Look at verses 5 and 6. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Notice the text there. The partnership in the gospel from the first day when you received Christ until now, we are partners in the gospel. Because we are partners in the gospel, we proclaim the supremacy of Jesus. You say, what do you mean about that? I mean this, that it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. That's what we are to be proclaiming. That's what our life is supposed to be about, Jesus Christ. So here at Pleasant Ridge, if we are going to be desiring his presence, making his presence known, we have to be moving forward with the advancement of the gospel by proclaiming the supremacy of Jesus Christ, making him known, moving us out of the spotlight and putting Jesus back where he needs to be. Remember what uh, John said? He said, there's one that comes before me. He says, hey, look, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. (laughs) He says, this is the one that you need to follow. This is the one that you need to focus in on. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We need to be advancing the gospel, proclaiming the supremacy of Jesus Christ. You know, as we minister in our community, it's not what we do. It's who we serve and worship. Why? Take a look at verse number two. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. You know what I need and you need? Grace and peace. Jesus is where we receive grace and peace. Jesus is supreme. And so we are supposed to be proclaiming his supremacy with the advancement of the gospel. You think about people that do not know Christ, and maybe there's somebody here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to come into that relationship with the Lord because you need grace and peace in your life. And where do you get that from? You get that from Jesus. You get that from the Lord. And so God's word says that Jesus has been exalted, that he has been lifted up. It is Christ who was lifted up between heaven and earth as he was crucified at the hands of sinful men. It was Jesus who was wounded for my transgressions and crushed for my iniquities. And so here, the Bible tells us that Jesus needs to be supreme. He needs to be proclaimed to the lost and dying world. Let's look over the book of Colossians here real quick. Let's turn to Colossians chapter number 1. Look at verse number 16. 
It says, by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, and all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So God's word's very clear that it places an emphasis of Jesus to be supreme. He's the one that we are to be focusing on. He is the one that we are supposed to be using as the advancement of the gospel. It's more about Jesus than about us. We are to proclaim the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Now look at this. Also, not just proclaiming his supremacy, but over every area, over all areas of life and culture. Notice the text again. Okay, look what the Bible says. He who began a good work, in verses 5 and 6, he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion at the day of Christ. This covers every area of our life. There should be no locked rooms or secret rooms in our life. Jesus should have access to every area of our life. And if we are going to be desiring his presence, making his presence known, and we're going to be proclaiming the gospel, advancing the gospel, and we proclaim the supremacy of Jesus, if we have hidden, locked areas in our life that Jesus is not ruler of, that Jesus does not sit at the throne of, then how can we say that we are proclaiming the supremacy of Christ? This involves self-evaluation on the inside, taking account and saying, God, is there any areas in my heart and my life that I am not making you supreme? Is there any areas in my life where you are not sitting at the throne of? We need to dethrone ourselves and put Jesus back on the throne. We need to be proclaiming his supremacy over every area of our lives. And notice that, also culture. You know, we live in a crazy culture today, do we not? There's so many weird things going on. I mean, you sometimes go, is that really happening? I mean, people wanting to marry their cat, and I mean, just weird stuff. But we are to be proclaiming Jesus over culture. Can I tell you the gospel message is not popular? And when we proclaim Jesus, it's going to make some people go, you believe what? That's weird, man. You're weird. No, actually, you're weird. <laughs> but we proclaim Christ over every area of our life and even culture. The gospel transcends culture. Christianity, early Christianity, was not just subject just to that known time, like, well, you know, that was just something that they did way back when, and, you know, that really doesn't have an effect on us today. No, Christ has an effect upon us today if we let him. 
If we allow him to be supreme in our lives, the advancement of the gospel, proclaiming Jesus, the supremacy of Christ over every area of our life and in culture. So that's what we are supposed to be doing. If we are going to move forward as a church here at Pleasant Ridge, then we need to be proclaiming the gospel. The working of Christ in our lives is a tremendous reality. Why? Because look at this. Because it's nothing that we do. Notice the text here. I love this. He who began a good work, where? In you. (laughs) It's internal. It's working inside. So here's the question. How do we share the gospel proclaiming the supremacy of Jesus over all areas of life and culture? How is that accomplished? Do we stand outside of the road with signs that say, repent, you're going to go to hell? Is that what we're going to do? Are we going to jump on people's cars and yell and scream at them? And is that what we're going to do? How are we going to proclaim the gospel? I heard a story. This is a guy that I went to college with a long time ago. He was at a uh, supermarket, and he posted this. He said that the, uh, the price of the items that he bought rang up to 666, okay? So then he's like, he whipped out a, a gospel track, and he says, well, speaking of Satan, I want to invite you to church. Okay, that's a little weird, Okay. How are we going to proclaim the gospel? Okay? If Christ is working in us, if Jesus is supreme, and we're to be proclaiming Christ, making him supreme, how is that possible? As Christ works in us, he is going to work out through us. If Jesus isn't supreme in here, I guarantee you he's not going to be supreme out there. So we got to make him supreme in here. We have to proclaim the gospel. People have to see a life, not of you and not of me. They see Christ. They see the Christ-filled life. It only happens on the inside. Allowing Jesus to work in and out of our lives. So sharing the gospel, proclaiming his supremacy in over all areas of our life. Let's look at a second thing. How are we going to move forward in sharing the gospel? We encourage everyone to confess faith in Jesus. Look at verse number seven. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You know, here at Pleasant Ridge, we are not a country club. We are a church, and our mission is to encourage people to confess faith in Jesus Christ. I would hope that when we have guests come, that as they leave, if, if, they, don't, if they don't have a relationship with Christ, I, I would hope that they would keep hearing and saying, boy, that, that guy kept saying that, that I need to have a relationship with the Lord. What, what, what's that mean? Or, or they hear the, the worship time and they say, boy, they keep talking about Jesus and they keep talking about Christ and, and this working in their life. Listen, can I? this is so important to me. If we do not encourage people 
to have faith in Christ, encouraging them to confess Christ as their Savior. Not only have we failed God, but we have failed them. That's what our life should be about. Having people confess Christ as their Savior. And it's not a, not a thing of going up to somebody and twisting their arms and say, you need to get saved, you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. No. But it's the fact of us living out Christ in our lives, proclaiming Jesus as supreme. And people seeing that and they say, boy, there's something different there. Their life is not about them, it's about Christ. What is different? And we, we encourage them to confess faith in Christ. Paul says here that they were partakers with him of grace. Where was Paul at this time? He was in prison. He says, you guys are partakers with me of this. He says, in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Now, I love this. Look what Paul continues to say about this. This is great. Look at these next verses. Look at verses uh, 12 through 14. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I mean, Paul wasn't sitting around in his prison cell going, man, this is miserable. I can't believe that this happened to me. I mean, who would ever thought that if I were just to preach Jesus, I'd get arrested? I mean, this is weird. He wasn't thinking that. He was going, wow, I am so glad that I got arrested because the gospel's being preached. He says, the things that happened to me happened to me for the really served to the advance of the gospel forward so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that in my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold now to speak the word without fear. People that heard of Paul's imprisonment go, wow, this guy's living for Christ. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to proclaim Christ. And they spoke boldly for Christ. So we encourage everyone to confess faith in Christ. As we invite people to church, remember the goal is never to get them here at this building. If we fill this building and we are not filling the kingdom of God, we're wasting our time. We should be filling the kingdom of God, bringing people to Christ. That's what our mission in life should be. And so as we proclaim Christ, as we exalt Christ, as we share the gospel, as we share Jesus' life by proclaiming his supremacy, we're going to encourage people to have faith in Christ. I want you to think about the relationships that you have in life. I mean, right now. Think about the people that you touch, the people that you encounter. I mean, people that you may work with, people that you know through another friend of a friend I mean relationships in life are you encouraging them to have faith in Christ to become into a relationship with Christ as we work with people is your life about you or is it about Jesus 
as we talk with people, is it about you or is it about Christ? We need to be encouraging people to come to faith in Christ. Let's look at a third thing here about sharing the gospel. We pursue spiritual maturity through Bible study, prayer, and discipleship. Notice these verses here. He tells us this in verses 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So here at Pleasant Ridge, we are going to share the gospel by pursuing spiritual maturity through Bible study, prayer, and discipleship. Notice the text here that Paul prays for them. My prayer for you that your love may abound with knowledge, with discernment. How is that possible? Through spiritual maturity. How are you going to proclaim the supremacy of Jesus Christ? Through spiritual maturity. How are we going to share the gospel? Through spiritual maturity. All of us in here that confess faith in Jesus Christ need to pursue spiritual maturity. You know, God has taught me some amazing lessons since we've had our daughter. And, you know, you read those verses like, you know, desiring the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, a baby's got to have milk, and the baby needs milk in order to grow, and, you know, a baby can't just be eating steak, and, yeah, okay. But when I actually had a baby, well, my wife had the baby, not me, but... Um, <laughs> When, I, when we had our child, God has like taken those things and really just kind of opened my eyes to things. And for example, here's Evelyn. She's in the crib and she's learning how to stand. So she grabs the bars and she's working her way up on the bars on the crib and then she stands and then she's going, hey, I need to get down. What do I do here? Uh-oh. And then we come in there. She's like crying because she's like halfway like this. And she, she doesn't want to let go because she knows if she let, lets go, she's going to fall. And I think, wow, spiritual maturity on my side. I mean, can you imagine God looking down at us and we're like, we're like oh, yeah, I got this. I, I know how to stand. And then God just looking at us and we're like, Spiritual maturity, we need it in our lives. We need to pursue it through Bible study, through prayer, through discipleship. You know, we have many opportunities for believers here at Pleasant Ridge to be involved in spiritual maturity. There's fellowship time. There's time that we can get together for prayer and Bible study. There's times that we can get together for discipleship. And all of us need to have the one goal in mind, they were coming together for spiritual maturity so that we can share the gospel with others. If we don't have the, the desire 
to be with other believers and, and to pursue spiritual maturity, there's something wrong in here. Because we're not desiring to proclaim the supremacy of Christ. I mean, just getting together with another fellow believer in Jesus and, and spending a few minutes in prayer, sharing your life with them, telling them what's going on in your life, saying, man, I'm really struggling with this. Can you please pray for me? The book of James tells us that we need to be confessing our faults one with another, having that back-to-back -back time with another believer in Christ so that we can grow together in spiritual maturity. I mean, if we grow together as one group, if we grow together and we're all proclaiming the supremacy of Christ the light of Christ will shine brighter. It'll be more glorious. It'll be more powerful in this area. And I would hope that that's our prayer, that we would move forward in sharing the gospel with others, advancing for his kingdom. So what about you? What about me? Am I proclaiming the supremacy of Jesus Christ? Am I encouraging other people to have faith in Christ, encouraging them to confess faith in Christ? Am I pursuing spiritual maturity in my own individual life? Do I take the time, read God's word, allowing God's word to speak to me, sharing with others what God has spoken to me about, encouraging that and cultivating that spiritual maturity? If we are going to desire his presence and make his presence known here, we have to advance. We have to move forward in sharing the gospel with others. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity and this time that we got to look into your word. And Lord, I pray that we as a church that please, please, God, remove us. God, this church is not about the elders. It's not about what we can do. It's not about are things that we can come up with. God, it's about you and help us to exalt you and, and put you in the rightful place that you deserve. Help us to be sharing the gospel, advancing the kingdom of God by living out a Christ-filled life. Lord, you've been so good to us. God, you've been good to us even when we don't deserve it. You've been kind to us even though we, we've turned from you, we've, we've mocked you, we've we, we spit upon your face. God, you, you've poured out your blessing, your life, everything for us. Please help us not to take that for granted. Please help us as a church to be advancing the gospel. Thank you so much for your love towards us. We ask all this in Christ's name.